0: Girlfriend share. Welcome to Girlfriend It, hosted by women for women on a variety of topics most relevant to our daily lives. Weekly, we have incredible, inspiring, and influential guests as we explore everything from why ambitious women don't quite reach their full potential to how we deal with the dailiness of life. Together, we will hear compelling stories of other individuals in hopes of one thing. How do we get to know ourselves? Well,
1: hi, welcome. This is Debbie. I'm your host for today, along with my girlfriends, Sherry and Christette. We are all moms of grown children, and one of us is a grandma. And uh, not to rub it in or anything, but it is me, and I'm the only one. So, Have you ever used the phrase walking on eggshells referring to one or more of your children? Why is it that after 18 years of raising them and being in charge and somewhat control, at least we think we are, at some point we lose absolutely every bit of that and we become the one who is nervous to say or do anything. At times we're even treated more like the child than the parent. How do we navigate this tender, tumultuous, scary relationship while maintaining our sanity, dignity, and the respect that we so obviously deserve. And then come out on the other side of it, enjoying a deep relationship with our grown children for the one true goal, which is just to be a grandma. So today, Jane Isay is our esteemed guest. Jane, welcome. Thank you. So happy to be with you. We are so happy to have you. Jane is an author of four books, a mother of two grown men. She is a grandma. She's a Manhattanite, and she is a former book editor and publisher of 40 years, and she is a ton of sass and fun. We are excited because today Jane is going to get all of us straightened out with our adult children. Is that correct, Jane? Totally. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jane, you've had a ton of years of hard knocks and wisdom, and uh, we need some of that ourselves. So tell me. (laughs) When I was with my children when they were younger and teenagers, it just seemed like I had control. And if they did anything to upset me, I could say, knock it off, get to your room, clean up your act. And now you don't get to say that anymore. So where, where did we go wrong, Jane? It's where you went right. You let them grow.
2: <laughs> Here's the problem. Yeah. They need to be independent. They need to be grown-ups. I don't know about you but when my mother gave me advice I didn't I I didn't listen did you No of course not <laughs> we we went, we whispered with our girlfriends and my mother wrote a column for the New York Post giving advice
3: oh, and why did. did
2: I hate the column and I hated any advice from her so there you go So first of <laughs> and where you went right and this is serious where you went right is that as people grow they are going to take control of their lives yeah. It's just, it's just the best thing. Can you imagine a twenty-year-old or a twenty-five-year-old saying, "Mom, what should I wear today?" You would be very worried. Exactly. So, of, of course, they grow up. And um, I wrote uh, "Walking on Eggshells" because my sons stopped returning my phone calls. They were in their twenties. I had we had raised them to be independent. We had raised them to create their own lives. And we were no longer, I was no longer at the center. My first husband and I were by then divorced. um, And it was terrible. My favorite story, which is relevant this week, as it's been for a while, my younger son was 28, and he was running the first senatorial campaign of a of a guy named Charles Schumer. (laughs) And He'd been his chief of staff in the house, and he was working like a dog. Mm-hmm. This was very hard. Chuck had taken a big chance letting, giving the, this uh, responsibility to Josh. First time, so, and it was very busy, I knew it. I wanted to talk to him. First time I called, I said, hi, Josh. This is landline time. Hi, Josh, this is mom. Give me a call. Second call. Hi, Josh, this is mom. Third call, <laughs> Josh. This is your mother calling. Fourth call. I said, hey, Josh, this is mom. If you don't call me today, I'm going to vote for Al D'Amato. And the phone rang. <laughs> so uh, so this is how it goes. I, My image at the time was a a, a fried egg. Uh, we were in the yoke. That was the family. Mm-hmm. Now we're at the edge of the, uh, the, the brown edge of the white and that's just how it is. And if we if we make them feel guilty about not about not being with us, then we're going to be a burden. Yeah. And if we uh, if we d- decide when they grow up that we ha- now it's our time to have our lives. Right. Now we can be who we can be fuller because we don't have all these responsibilities. We don't have them on their. Mo- we can live, and you right. know the we law. Um if you have kids in your twenties and thirties, you got a good 50 years. Yes. Of which only only a part of it you'll be the mommy. Yeah. So you might as well get start building your life. Mm-hmm.
1: It, that is so true. And why do we just get so shocked? We raise our kids to be independent. That's our job as a parent. And then they are, and we're so floored by that whole thing. Like, wait, wait. I did it. I did such a good job. I blew it, you know. But here is this is this is just a kink
2: in the culture. I was uh, a a friend of mine who's a journalist just interviewed me for a a piece in The Washington Post about why is it that mothers feel they've lost everything when their kids grow up? Mm -hmm. And I said, it sounds like a 50s TV show. This is the, this is inherent sexism in our society. Mm-hmm. Who are you? You're a mommy. You watch these politicians. They say, "I'm a mother." <laughs> you know, first they don't say, "I'm a lawyer." They don't say, "I'm elected." Exactly. We, uh, this is, and and so we have been in some way we've been schooled to think that this is our own our our only job. It may be our primary job when the kids are small, but it's not our only job. And so I was 27 when I had my first child. I was an elderly mother at the time. This was 55 years ago. And I worked part-time. We lived in New Haven. I worked at Yale. Don't get me started. And I I worked mornings. My neighbors, none of whom worked, they'd see me pushing the stroller in the afternoon, and they'd say, "How's the working mother? Let's see what's wrong with him," because I had left him mm-hmm. for hours. Mm-hmm. Anybody have that experience now? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the mothers, I keep reading—you know—during COVID, the working mothers who are doing the childcare as well, they are falling apart, and yeah. the culture has no use for them, no help for them. Sorry.
0: No. <laughs>
1: I hear you, and that is true, because my daughter went to, um, when she went to college, she went for elementary ed, and then she got a job, and now she's home, was homeschooling her kids. She was elementary ed, a teacher, and she hated it. Yes. She, you start hating your kids, too, and her husband, and the neighbors. So I have a theory about COVID. We're, this isn't
2: about COVID, but I figure, I, I figure when we all get out which will happen sometime we'll look at the number of of divorces compared to the number of new babies i'll <laughs> yeah. say some kind of calculation but but back to the back to the uh, the pre covid and the and the general thinking about our grown kids um, there's one the most important finding and i have to i have to really kind of start with this mm-hmm I interviewed about 50 grown children the age of 25 to 55
0: mm-hmm. and
2: 50 parents from the age of 55 to 85. So, and every one of those grown children started the interview by saying, you know, I love my parents. and And many of them said, I owe them the gift of life. Mm-hmm. Some of them said, I'm so grateful for all the sacrifices they made. If they happened to be old enough to have children of their own, they were a little more grateful mm-hmm. because they knew how hard it was mm-hmm. to raise mm-hmm. them. And then I say, oh, that's so nice. Tell me, what's your relationship? And often it would be we haven't talked in years or we're exchanging mean emails. The love is often hidden. Mm. And uh, I had this vision of the oil fields under Texas. You know, there's this, these great hidden reserves of love and gratitude, which when they are in their twenties, they're not telling you, because they have to be independent again. I think mm-hmm. I think it's very much. Remember the terrible twos. Mm-hmm. Well, they're in the terrible twenties. That's. What it is. <laughs> <laughs> there happens to be psychological research that backs this up hmm. they call it extended adolescence that mm-hmm. when in the previous jet gen- you know in ancient times they were having babies at 13 and you know mm-hmm. in our generations we were um my generation people if they were men mainly men worked then uh they were already launched on their careers when they were in their 20s mm-hmm. The kids today are still trying to figure out, um, you know, aside from COVID, they're bartending. Mm
4: -hmm. Many
2: of the young people I interviewed said, you know, I'm way behind. What do you mean? When I was, when my mom was my age, she already had three children. Mm -hmm. And when my dad was my age, he had begun his career in a corporation and he's still there. There was a... Our generation, and I'm 81, so and I, maybe your generation, there was a there was a there was a regularity to life. Mm. If, it, if you went to college, if you got married, you had children, you had a job or not, and it was straightforward.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: These kids are floating, and and what was so interesting to me? So they said, "I love my parents. I'm grateful." and I've fallen behind them. They all knew how old we were when we had our first job, when we had our children. And they're tracking and they're, fail- they're falling behind. Mm-hmm. Then when we say, and it used to be, you know, you were a doctor or a lawyer or you worked at a bank, you worked in a company and it, there was a solid, if, if you were happy enough, you expected that you would be there until you retired or you'd mm-hmm. None of that is possible now.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: So the idea that our kids should follow a path like the one we might have followed is ridiculous.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then mm-hmm. we
2: get to the next piece. So they love us. So mm-hmm. they they've watched us and they are they're pretty admiring of us. It's not until later that they start telling you everything, every mistake you've ever made. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a. 55 year old son who's still telling me ma why did you send me to camp come on (laughs) (laughs) wait but um so they need to get so they're behind they know they're behind and they need to make their own decisions
4: Mm -hmm.
3: their own mistakes Mm -hmm. and yes uh, Jane, uh, I just wanted to just ask, just jump in there and ask you a question. I love the title of your book, Walking on Eggshells, and I have uh, three adult sons. And what I think is tricky to navigate is how much to, like, you know, do you lean in? Do I back away? And they don't live in state. And, of course, you know, with the way that, you know, life goes, they don't live near you. They move far away. Absolutely. And so, and I think several of my mom friends all have, like, this, this uh, struggle of you know how often should I you know reach out to them? Do I expect this? Do I back away? Is it too much? Is it not enough? You know I don't want to be overbearing, but I don't want to be you know uh, in the shadows. And I'm wondering you know it, with your experience, if you learned some ways to to walk on the eggshells gracefully and what that looked like. Okay. <laughs> Be a Buddhist. Be a take, Buddhist.
2: Take, <laughs> take your ego out of it. Oh, if you imagine somebody you love, and you know, most important, which is my first point, they love us. Mm. They don't have time for us. They're, they don't want to. They don't want to burden us if they've broken up, if they've been, if they're worried. But they love us. If you remember, He loves me. Mm -hmm. then you can text or you can write or you can call without feeling that a response is the only thing that will keep you alive. Mm
4: -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know
5: what I remember is um, my mom had a tone to her voice and it was always very shaming. And so I love my mom, but I avoided calling her because I did not like that tone she would use for me. And so... In return, you know, I'm her daughter and I can very well and very easily take on that tone. So when I call my boys, it's definitely a different conversation. It's, you know, and I love your prefaces of reminding myself, they love me. So just check in and see how they're doing and ask them some great questions and, and move on. It's like, exactly. is that kind of what I'm hearing you say? And also use the use the technology that they like.
2: So my younger son, who didn't answer my phone, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we text. He just mm-hmm. texted. Now, he only texts. Mm-hmm. My older son, who was the founder of StoryCorps, do you know anything? Do you Have you ever heard of StoryCorps? No. Mm-hmm. OK, it's an oral history program. Go look it up. It's magnificent. Um, he calls. Mm. He calls me because I, I, I got covid and so they've been and i live alone and i've been alone for 11 months so they worry they worry <laughs> he calls me when he can and it's often after i've turned out the light
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah so i'm so grateful to hear his voice i you know but and i but i never call them i never bother them because i'm afraid to I train me. I just, I just got a dog. I'm training the dog. They've trained me.
4: Hmm.
2: Furthermore, they're busy, and I don't want to interrupt them. And I'm scared. So, but they love me. And when, uh, when this all happened, I mean, here's a, here's a, here's a kind of a classic uh, shift of power story. One of the things that happens that we have to be prepared for is they take. They become independent, their own decision-making people, and then they begin to be interested in take in how we are doing. Hmm.
1: When so, does that happen, Jane? When should I be looking for that? <laughs> <laughs> race yourself.
2: Um, but COVID, COVID has been a perfect example. Most I do a lot of webinars for grandparents, I've been doing them since COVID. And there was this day, call it the Ides of March, maybe it was the 13th, when the phone rang all over America and the grown children said, Ma, you can't go out anymore. Yes. outrage, how dare they say we can't go out anymore? And I kept saying, they just don't want to bury you virtually. <laughs> they don't want to Zoom give it up. And it was hard. It yeah. was very hard to all of a sudden give, you know, we expect that when we're in our nineties, they take away the car keys, but we're, we're not there. We're just, we're fine. They, yeah. So many of them called their mothers and fathers and said, you got to be careful. Then they said, you can't be with the grandchildren. Yeah. And many grandparents felt that it was a lack of love. It wasn't a lack of love. It was protection. <laughs> So yeah. take your ego out of it, um, mm-hmm. and um, and so my story goes on because um, I got a cold about a month ago, nasty cold. And I called my doctor. I said, I think I have a cold. He said, don't bother getting a test. But I did talk. Jo- I did talk to Josh, and he he got worried. Now he is a very determined man. And he said, you have to get a test. And I said, I'm not waiting for an hour and a half in the rain. And he said, I'll find you. I'll find you an appointment. And I said, well, I'm doing an interview for interviewing some candidates for an honors program till three o'clock on Saturday. And I'm not going before. So he got me an appointment at 3.30. Turned out I was positive. So uh, and he found me, he and my cousin found me the best doctor in the city of New York to take to help me. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a mild case. I'm all better. Did he save my life? Well, he might have, if I had turned. If it turned out to be a bad case, did he scare the life out of me? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but 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 this you know. But I think this year, this COVID year, has kind of. I have this again. This image: you're in the desert and you see. You see the bear, but you see the skeleton of an of a large animal that has long died, and the bones are white; they're bleached white. Mm-hmm. This is so clear to me that so many of our relationships, particularly with family, have been bleached white. Mm. This year, we see the essence, and we see how people behave under circumstances
3: that were totally unexpected.
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, hmm
3: Yeah, Jane, do you think that we, today, we parent our own kids how we were parented by our own parents? Well, that, now, there's an interesting, that's a
2: very interesting question. The baby boomer, I'm a baby boomer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm a mm-hmm. little older than a baby boomer.
4: Uh-huh.
2: But my, my generation raised our children totally differently from the way we were raised. Mm-hmm. Because in the post-war era, we had Dr. Spock and we had all ways of trying to be loving and psychological. So we had Spock. You have Barry Brazelton, Who knows who has? Uh, so uh, there was a new way of thinking about children and about child development. Mm-hmm. And that uh, in uh, the pre the pre Spock generation, um, do you know that there was a theory you shouldn't pick up a baby? What? No. Okay. This is a this is a side thing, but it's interesting. In before Doctor Spockley, the way of thinking was you leave a baby in a crib, and you and you you hold the bottle until it can hold the bottle itself. Oh, now it turned goodness. out, and wow. this is, takes place in the city of New York. Babies were dying.
3: Oh, and they
2: sent That's some fine. psychologists and also the head of children's children's health, the first woman head of children's health in the city of New York, to look into this and. The first woman, this this woman, this children's health woman, she she uh, she worked. She she went up and down the tenements of the city of New York, helping checking on the babies and the children and the families. Turned out the the Italians were the warmest. She also had responsibility for the rich children, and they were babies were dying because the nannies were doing what the mothers told them to do so she worked out a system where she would take these of course allow it the parents had to allow she'd move the babies from these wealthy homes Mm. to the italian families in the tenements ten dollars a week was a lot of money and they would love those babies and hold those babies and bring them back to life so that's how it was isn't that crazy? It's crazy. And uh, the, uh, the the orphanages were, my mother was a, a graduate student in psychology, and she went with a pediatrician in the 30s. The babies were dying in the orphanages. Those nuns were taking perfect care of them along. And my mother would said the little ones, the arms would come out of the cribs looking for human contact. Oh my! So when they picked up the babies and held them, the death rate went down. So that is, I mean, that is dramatic. But we raised. Here's an interesting issue. We were raised. I was raised completely different. My generation, the baby boomers, we were raised differently. We used the best knowledge we could get. One of the things I suggest in the in the grandparent book is. It, it, it's kind of what to do when you know they're expecting what to have mm-hmm. how they're raising children now and make it a research project as if you were traveling to Morocco. Just find out how what they're being told so that when the when they do things that you think are bizarre, they may not be so bizarre because that's what the websites are telling you now. Them now in a yeah. way that we believed. Dr. Spock, one time, David fell off, the oldest, fell off a chair. We lived in New Haven, he fell off a chair. I put him in the corner and he fell off. So now I'm reading, I'm holding the baby and I'm reading Dr. Spock. (laughs) Best thing about Dr. Spock is the index. You can find baby falls off chair. (laughs) And what Dr. Spock said was, a baby who's watched so carefully that it never falls off a chair, is being watched too much. Oh.
3: Kind
5: mm-hmm. <laughs> of like letting them eat dirt. You got <laughs> it.
2: Second rule. Well, yeah. It's better and have animals so they won't get allergies yeah uh, and, and another story uh, in that regard, so when my 16, I have I have four grandchildren, the oldest is 16. When he was born, his mother, who worked, of course, took off a couple of months. And I would go one morning a week, so that she could get her nails done or take a walk. Mm-hmm. Now, in this generation, you know, they are not put to sleep on their tummies. It will yeah. kill them.
1: I was just gonna talk about that.
2: Yes, yes. we were. So, yeah. so, and I, you know, okay, okay. I, I didn't kill you, I didn't kill you, but we'll do it. So I had Benji one day, and he had that, he was about six months old, you know, he had that tummy, rummy, where his legs were kicking and he was really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. They had on the floor one of these mats with toys that hung off the plastic. Mm -hmm. And he needed to be on his tummy. So nobody was home. I put him on his tummy. (laughs) I put my hand on, I lay down next to, put my hand on his back. Mm -hmm. So that he stopped breathing, I would know.
0: Yeah.
2: He fell asleep. You just see the whole body relaxing, and I lay there with my head. And then I heard the key in the lock. I flipped him. <laughs> now you can only break the parents' rules until the children can speak. But once they can talk, they'll rat you out.
1: Well, every time they will rat you out. Every time. And grandma gives me the cookies. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, I think it's interesting. So my kids were raised in the same household and one is like, put the kids on their back, put them on their belly. I don't care what you do. Just get them out of my face right now. Uh, another one is the baby needs to be on his back, on her back. She can't be on on her belly ever. But yet when she's at my other child's house, the baby, she sleeps for two and a half hours on her belly. And the same thing we have to tell them, OK, just so you know, because the other kids will rat out mom. To the end. Yes. yes. So, yeah, you got to rat him out. Okay, we're, we're, yep. we've just got a few minutes left in this segment of the show. And Jane, can you believe how fast time flies? It's great. It's so much fun. I know. Well, we're loving having you, and we want everybody to stay with us. We're going to have a commercial, but then we're going to come back with Jane, and we're going to talk more about your rotten adult children and why they should <laughs> appreciate you a whole lot more. And i I really want to talk about grandkids too. So, my favorite thing you've said, and I think this is when you and I talked on the phone the other day the 11th commandment, thou shalt not give grown children advice. It is the,
2: it's so important and it is so heartbreaking.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, So, so much wisdom, Jane. We have so much wisdom to share. Tell your girlfriend. Yes, we do. <laughs> we do. And
2: they know it and they have watched us and they know what we think.
1: That's right. That is so oh,
2: true. It's really yes. true. So, we're you know, advice
1: is they is a megaphone. They Okay, so we will be back and don't miss I can't wait to hear what Jane has to say. Great.
0: Right. Thanks for listening to Girlfriend It because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It, hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com.
4: Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at Toginet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcast. The subjects our podcast cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach. From life coaching to military resources to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone. To get started on your next step, call Scott at 903-787-5880 or email him at scott at toginetradio.com. That's S-C-O-T-T at T-O-G-I-N-E-T-R-A-D-I-O dot com.
0: share. Welcome to Girlfriend It, hosted by women for women on a variety of topics most relevant to our daily lives. Weekly, we have incredible, inspiring, and influential guests as we explore everything from why ambitious women don't quite reach their full potential to how we deal with the dailiness of life. Together, we will hear compelling stories of other individuals in hopes of one thing. How do we get to know ourselves? okay well welcome back and
1: what a treat we still got Jane I say here and she has got years and years of wisdom so we talked about earlier different stages that our grown children go through and here's how I hear it Jane I hear that the first one is when they think they're adults when they're in college so they start pushing back and then They think they're adults when they get their own place and a good job. And then they think they're still adults when they get married. But (laughs) when they have children, they finally know that we were right all along. (laughs) That's (laughs) wonderful. I think that (laughs) is really the four stages. Is that your experience also? Uh, Except the fourth stage. (laughs)
2: Take, (laughs) they'll talk beautifully about you at your funeral. What can I say?
1: So what you've said before is they really do love us so they we just get that down and they're going to love us in their terms on their time frame that's right and we have a role to play in making
2: sure that we don't turn them away let me talk about that for a minute because yeah. it's really important the 11th commandment. Do not give advice. They don't. He- they hear it. They don't like it. They resent it. And worst of all, if you're right and they didn't take it, they know, res- If you're right, and even if they take it, they'll resent you for life. It's really crazy. It's the uh, I told you so. I I know somebody uh, who. This is a recent story. The daughter was engaged to a nothing. Somebody, everybody said, don't, don't marry him. And they were engaged. They had to put off the wedding because of COVID. Right. And he turned out not to be who she thought he was. Mm-hmm. And she broke him up with them. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the champagne bottles were being popping all over the family. Who does she resent? The father. For having told her what he thought, now he should have kept his mouth shut. Mm. But and 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 she's and she doesn't and she says, "You, I knew this. You acted like I didn't know it." Of course, she didn't act like she didn't know it. She was engaged.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So <laughs> being right is the worst thing about advice.
0: Not so advice. are you
1: saying then that? Oh, okay. Because I I I've had that situation with my daughter in her twenties and we couldn't stand the guy, and we told her point blank, and I didn't hear from her for two months. That's it. Exactly, but then when she found out for herself, she came back and she did say, mom, you were right, but I've never let her forget it for the rest of her life. (laughs) She she spoke into a microphone, so I have a recording of that.
2: That's excellent. But also, they hear it as, you know, this is, the boyfriend-girlfriend is one thing where you're better off just keeping your mouth shut. Um, because I only have sons and God forbid, it's hard enough to get along with a daughter-in-law. I have two wonderful daughters-in-law. But <laughs> um, and um, so, but, but here's the deal. They think we're judging them and we are. Mm-hmm. If we say uh, don't, that's not a good job. If we say all of the criti- all of the criticisms that we have mm-hmm. turn into advice, they hear it as criticisms. And mm-hmm. furthermore, they've been watching us <clears throat> since they were born. Mm-hmm. So they can tell from our tone of voice how we feel.
3: Yes. My tone gets me in trouble all the time, Jane. Yeah. Yes. So get one of those voice filters, <laughs> you know?
2: So they know, so they don't even need to be told what yeah. we
3: think. They know what we think. Yes. They've so been reading our minds since they were babies. I'm thinking uh, one thing I have heard some wisdom on this. So yeah. don't just like spew out, you know, what your thought is on it, what's your opinion, or you could, can, can you, you can ask, you know, um, can I make an observation? Or I mean, can you, you ask them? permission to speak into it or or should you just just just, be, just keep just your mouth shut <laughs> yes <laughs> shredded tongue
2: syndrome is what one of my interviewers interviewees called it um the but the other thing is there's a way to give positive if you think something is great
3: Okay. And you
2: praise it, and they can tell the difference. Mm. Okay.
3: What What's an example of that? Do you have an example of that, Jane? Well, with the grandparents.
2: Oh, you're Oh, you're such a good parent. I love the way you're holding the baby. Ah.
1: Even if you don't believe it.
2: <laughs> well, I'm I'm, I'm not going to suggest anybody lie. <laughs> but but I'm I'm talking about when something is genuine. When there is something that you genuinely appreciate
4: mm-hmm. tell
2: them
3: mm-hmm.
4: that
2: is the way to walk that eggshell path yeah, uh, yeah. you know I'm so proud of the way you're living your life you're a person of such integrity those kinds of things mm-hmm. the little things really don't matter and you know it.
5: Mm-hmm. No,
1: um, true. Uh, it but I think it's it is what we're talking about it's all about the tone yeah it can like Sometimes my kids will ask me for advice. And I will give it grudgingly because I know what's about to happen again. You're
2: going to get it. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So
2: you could say, so long as you ask me, one might think. There's a way of speaking where it's, it's, I call it the Yale way. They never use the first person pronoun. It might be the case. (laughs) Others have said. And it's 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 just a joke. But uh, if they ask your oh so yes, if they ask your advice, then you ha- if you don't if you don't respond, they'll think you don't love them.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Exactly.
4: Yes.
2: <laughs> but they but um, there there are to- there there are times when <laughs> I would say that most advice that you want to give is the positive.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: so if they're doing something if they say you know do you think I should take this job and you think it's a good job say sure mm-hmm. and if they say do you think I should take this job and you think it's a bad job you can say have you thought about this mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. again, it's the, take your take yourself
5: out of it
3: mm-hmm. that's yeah. so good mm-hmm. of course
5: you know that you're right right when did you um, see a shift with your boys and I'm a boy mom as well I have three yeah. sons Like Sherry, Um, when did you see a shift in your relationship go where the it um, it wasn't so delicate anymore? (laughs) Where let's see, has it happened? Yes,
2: it's happened. (laughs) But you know, eggshells all the time. (laughs) It's here's it's not a shit. It's a it's so gradual. I can't tell you when Mm, it comes from years. Of of loving them and getting older.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. One of the you know they begin they know how old you are and they and they watch you like a hawk. And if you if you have established a track record of really not bugging them mm-hmm. and being help in ways that you can be of help. It it makes it easier. Here's another story. It's, again, it's a COVID story. So in March last year, I, it's almost a year, uh, my son David's oldest boy came down with a nasty case of COVID. Mm-hmm. It was very early and he was really sick, really sick. And mm-hmm. the, the oxygen thing on your finger was in use. It was 11. And I, when David would call, I'd say, how's it going? And he'd say, it's okay, mom. And I know he was lying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then I pushed and he would lie more. (laughs) And then I realized that I needed, that my anxiety was my issue, that I needed to be his mother again. Mm. And just to listen. The, he relaxed with me i got a better sense of what was really going on so my anxiety created distance mm-hmm. uh, the minute and it was it was because of my buddhist meditation group i realized that i was making the spark mm-hmm. and we still don't talk much about those months mm-hmm. because it was so painful for for him and for his wife and it was mm-hmm. terrible but everybody's better now Mm-hmm. And they still don't want to talk about it. I saw the twelve-year-old uh, this weekend because I'm over COVID, and I said, "Toby, um, did your mind get a little gluey when you were sick?" And he said, "Oh yeah, grandma." Mm-hmm. And I mentioned that to David. He didn't want to hear. <laughs> he didn't want to hear about it. He, but but my ability to think of myself still as the mom. I could parent him again. When I'm the scared human, I can't be of any use. Mm -hmm. So, the question we ask ourselves is how can I be of use Mm -hmm. to them? Uh, When I turned 80, one of the grandchildren, she was uh, nine, she said, So, Grandma, now that you're turning 80 and you're getting closer to dying, has this (laughs) (laughs) has this changed your point of view Mm. and i said yes it has i've i've come to the realization that i i have the opportunity to use the time i have left to the best of my values Mm -hmm. and that was all i said and i thought you could do that (laughs) you told that to ruby but you might also do it And I try to do it. And one of the ways I try to do it is to be of use to my children and my grandchildren. Not to be, I did it my way, but to see what they need. And that's, over time, that's how you turn it. You're no longer the boss. You're the, I've got your back.
1: Yeah. And you said in, in your book that you need to figure out what it is that they need. And exactly. basically what I heard was not what I need to give you. Exactly. Uh, I think I need to give you more parenting advice on some of your, you know, little bratty kids right now. Exactly. But that's not what they need. My daughter told me in my, when she was in early twenties, mom, I don't need another friend. I just need a mom. Just be my mom. That's all okay. I need. And now she's saying, don't be my mom. I just need you to be my friend. Okay. <laughs> and She's yeah. You And you get to you have a good enough relationships
2: so she says it. Yeah. And you're a smart enough person to, to listen. Well, wow. ish. 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 But, and and uh, the 12th commandment is when you're really fed up with your grown children, call a girlfriend.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that works for us. <laughs> yes.
2: Well, but, you know, I mean, friends are the, you know, God, the Bible says God created man and woman the bible doesn't mention god created girlfriends. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. That will be our new tagline.
2: <laughs> well, yes. And and really for I have found over the course of all these years of of writing these books that having somebody to really complain to mm-hmm. is is a great help and that is one of the ways in which we as parents can grow Because our friends are having our friends listen in a way that children don't, and we can try things out with them that you can't with other people. So, and a good friend knows how to hold your sorrow without giving you advice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those are the way you know, we're worried he doesn't have a job. I don't like her boyfriend. The children <laughs> have no manners, whatever it is. Let me tell you about what happened at dinner, right? <laughs> That's what girlfriends are for. And I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not pandering to this to this group. It's the truth.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get off your chest before you make a fool of yourself somewhere else because your girlfriends okay. will just laugh with you.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: okay you talk about also in your book grandparent prep i'm so interested in this so what what is the prep for being a grandparent this is this is so important first of all
2: it you've got six months you usually find out somebody you're going to be they're going to have a baby somewhere call it six months um it's called what what to expect when your children are expecting Number one, I love talk to them about their childhoods, both of them, both parents.
4: Hmm. Hmm.
2: Um, get some stories from your own, from your child, who's soon to be a parent, or about mm-hmm. what they liked and what, roses and thorns,
4: mm-hmm.
2: famous roses and thorns. Get a sense of what what their experience was. It will be extremely helpful to you. Mm. Also, you can have a conversation of why did you send me to camp? I have had that conversation so many times. <laughs> yeah. And and the answer is we visited you, you were miserable. Why didn't you come home when we were going to take you? <laughs> 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 so, so that's number one. Also with the uh it's very useful to find out from the from the partner who's not your child what their childhood was like.
4: Mm. Mm.
2: get a sense of who this is and how they feel. Mm. And that lays, it kind of lays the groundwork. If you were making a garden, you'd be pointing the garden. This is where this goes. That's who they are. Um, it's also useful to, it with your own children, your own child, to talk about some things that might have been t- tough, just to get, a, get it out of the way. Mm. For two learn how they're raising the children it's sleeping on their backs mm-hmm. it's i mean it's the crazy the sugar the sugar monster come on yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> whatever. whatever you're asking these questions jane do you ask them together so that they're also hearing each other
2: yes hmm you know have a drink go have go out for dinner mm-hmm. get them a little loosened up hmm. oh um, you will learn so much, mm. and if you listen appreciatively and not non-egotistically, mm-hmm. they will begin to trust you. Mm. It's really good. Mm-hmm. And those conversations—they're non-judgmental. They're historical. Mm-hmm. You, can say, you can say to the daughter-in-law, "Tell me what you know. What was what was it like growing up? Now you know who that is, and you know what the in-laws are like." But, Matt, you know them. <laughs>
4: yeah,
2: get, get a sense from the from the new parents. Then you do your research and you learn, and, and and you don't say, "Well, I read books." You say, "What websites are you going to? What chat rooms are you at?"
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Find out, and then you learn what the culture of raising children today is. Mm-hmm. It's such a benefit. It also helps you not be so judgmental because you realize. That they are listening to their gurus the way I was reading dr. Spock
4: mm-hmm. mm. so
2: scared also very important to it, it to remember and this isn't about the conversation how scared they are mm.
3: Mm. yeah sure and
2: it's not only it's not just the first and how in how ineffective they feel so an, a, a story just from from there. Somebody I know, daughter, first child, baby was screaming. And she said, here, let me hold him. And of course she got him to calm down immediately. Mm -hmm. Well, that wasn't appreciated so much. Mm -hmm. Why? You look, why? Because grandma knew how to do it and mother didn't. Yeah. Now. I can tell you that it wasn't appreciated because they talk all the time and it's one of the things the daughter has blamed her mother for, but they're very close. So Mm -hmm. being blamed and being yelled at by your children is no different from being, they're being yelled at by us. We still love each other. Now, again, this Mm -hmm. is the fundamental, the fundamental finding that I found that love and family, again, family if this year hasn't ta- has not taught us anything, it's taught us about the importance of family. Mm. And we knew it to begin, we knew it before COVID, but there are ways in which we can disagree, break up, find each other again. There is no end to the family story until the funeral. So don't ever give up on it. If you have a relative who is really abusing you, give them a break. I'm not saying that you have to continue with everybody, but especially with your kids, if they stop talking to you, you can send them little love notes on on text Mm -hmm. without the expectation of a response. One of the things that we, I'm a Jewish mother, I expect a response. (laughs)
3: Guilt, guilt.
2: Guilt, you know, I'm still alive. You thought I was dead by now, no. But, um, but one of the things that we can do is just tell them we love them and with no expectation.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And if they're feeling angry at us or then guilty about having misspoken, if they yell at us, they feel bad. Mm-hmm. You know that. So you might give them a little, a little way, a little path back to you.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You want them to have a path.
4: Mm-hmm-hmm. So we have,
2: it is really by being, taking your ego out of it and by loving them, and by acknowledging your love, and by and by understanding that it's a new
3: world, and it's not our world. Hmm. I really like that statement, Jane. Take your ego out of it. What I hear uh, that saying to me is like, don't be so ultra-sensitive. Don't think it's about you. Don't okay. get your feelings all hurt. Don't get your panties in a wad. You know, just... Keep loving. Keep being positive. Keep stating. Um, keep affirming. But just really take yourself out of the equation. It's not about you That's at it. all. Step away and uh, just be the adult.
2: <laughs> you know, there, there has to be one adult in the room. I just had a, a, a conversation this morning with a friend of mine. We've been—I published her, her books for a long time, and we talk every other week. And she's got very attached to her children, but one family lives in Canada and one family is just COVID, you know, she hasn't seen much of them and she has been suffering, Mm -hmm. but she's a wise woman. And I, she sounded better today. And I said, so how is it? And she said, I've decided that I have a life. Mm -hmm. She's in her Mm seventies. She said, and I am, and if I put all of my happiness on my relationship with the children, I will always be disappointed. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. I feel feel the growth.
1: What do you find as the other way? Like when the older we get, they start treating us like the child. Yes. And even being a little bit uh, brazen and maybe even disrespectful at times. Mm -hmm. And where does that, um, where do you go with that?
2: You know, it's interesting. I've been asking myself that because I've been, they've been pushing me around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said to myself, was that the
1: tone I used with them?
2: Mm.
5: Oh,
1: wow. <laughs> That's convicting. <There's>, yeah. <laughs> that was right between the eyes. <laughs> and does, you don't have to answer it.
2: Mm. But, and they do, And they are learning how to treat us. They're learning how to take care of us. They've never had to take care of us until they take care of us. Mm
4: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So,
2: and we have to learn
3: how to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what what else I hear you saying, Jane, which I think is just really, it's really goes along with the theme of our girlfriend here is, you are continuing to evolve and grow and change as a woman, as a person. And even though your, your children have grown and now you have an empty nest, you still have many, many years ahead of you to still keep being who God's made you to be That's and right. to gifts and talents. And don't just like think, oh, my whole world is my children and their lives. You still have a purpose. You still have a plan. God has a plan for your life. And it really is another opportunity at this stage of life to go and do all those things that we you've Absolutely. sat on the back burner for a while. Absolutely, and it's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. If we, I mean, we live, the,
2: the, the life expectancy, especially of women, has just... And we have so many years where we need to be, where we can do what we please, where we can grow and change. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's our choice.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Growing is a choice. You know, when something bad happens to me and I say to myself... Oh, it's another opportunity to learn. I say to myself, I need another one.
1: Right. <laughs> you know the Jew the Jewish woman really comes out in you every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but so, but
2: but I think you're right, and I think I think that it's also true of the COVID year. We mm-hmm. all have changed. We don't know how, mm-hmm. but the abrupt change in environment has created we're living organisms we'll see how we changed Mm -hmm. we hope that we will have grown and that we will change for the good and that what we have experienced will be turned into positive Mm -hmm. Um, don't know
1: jane one of the quotes that you said the other day that i wrote down and then i put it on a little sticky note for my mirror is resilience comes from surviving difficulty and it's an opportunity to build strength. It, mm-hmm. I, yes. you know, it's,
2: I think it's true. I think and your strength, I feel it as if it is what builds bones.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, if you run, your legs get stronger. Mm-hmm. If you've had troubles, you get stronger.
4: Mm-hmm. The hope mm-hmm.
2: is that your troubles don't make you bitter. Mm. Right. <clears throat> But if you have, a, we've, and we've all had hardships, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there will be more.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: will be. Yeah, nobody gets to go through life unscathed, Jane. They all it's get broke. to face some trials, yes. That's right, and that is That's what life is.
2: Right. Yes. And so that strength,
4: mm-hmm. that mm-hmm.
2: resilience
4: mm-hmm.
2: Uh, oh. is so important for, for the future and for the children and for the grandchildren.
4: Yeah.
3: Jane, you have been a fabulous guest on our show today of Girlfriend It. And just a question for our readers uh, as we leave you girls this morning is, if there was one thing you wanted to hear from your child, what would that be? So be thinking about that. And what would you like to hear from your child uh, for them speaking back to you? What would that be? We've so enjoyed having you this morning, Jane. We're going to put uh, a picture, and image of your book out there. We ask you to, if you're a listener of Girlfriend It, go out there and like us. On apple podcast give us a review we're here for you tag your it we so enjoy being with you and jane you're an absolute delight and pleasure to be with we loved having you this morning thank you it's been a great hour Just oh thank point. you
1: and you can go to amazon and get jane's books or janeisay.com or you can get it from
2: your local bookstore okay perfect
0: to girlfriend it because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life find us on facebook at girlfriend it hit subscribe to itunes or toginet.com